chapter 25. We're coming down the hill, folks. Are you all excited about that? Um, the story of the virgins is what we did last week, or the bridesmaids. And, and we talked about how a parable is a story that uh, parabole um, is where it comes. And it just means to throw down. Like a story you throw down um, and then you, you deal with. You find your place in. It's, it's meant to be participatory. It's meant to be a part of the story. In fact, the entire text is meant to be something that you come into, not something that you dissect and study and figure out. It's something that you become a part of. That's why we call it the living word of God. And, and so a parable is something similar in, in nature in that what Jesus would have done is just like, there you go. What are you going to do with it? Which is so fun. Um, to, to, to do if you, if you really take the time to do it instead of just reading over it and moving on. And so we're going to take some time right now to look at this next parable. Um, you know, there, there was a, um, a, a kind of a movement going on in Christianity where we, David uh, Menitsky, our senior pastor, wrote a book and um, basically his summary was basically this um, that the church is changing, that we've all gotten in a boat and we've cast off from the shore. And now we're out in the middle of the water and we, we don't know where we're going, but we know we're not going to, to be back where we were. We don't see land yet ahead of us. We just know that we're moving. And that's kind of a weird sense to feel. There is a great shift and change in Christendom. There is um, a movement among us that, that some of us feel, but we don't yet know what it is. We get that we're moving and that we're changing, but it's like, oh, into what? It'd be easy if there was something that said, here are the seven points of what you need to do to be the church of God today. But the fact of the matter is, there isn't, and there shouldn't be, because our church is unlike any other church that God ever created. Our worshiping body of new heights is unlike anything that he has ever created. The sanctuary is unlike anything he's ever created. Heights Community Church that meets in here on Sunday evenings is unlike anything he's ever created. We are the body of Christ here and now for who he wants us to be. So what does that look like? What do we do with that? How do we move into the realization that God wants us to be something magnificent? We've been throwing around this term um, identity. We've been talking about our identity. What's our identity? What's your kingdom identity? Who are you? And that's really a bigger question than I think a lot of people take. Really, who are you? There was this rabbi who was walking along um, the street, and and one day a, a Roman soldier stops him and he says, Who are you and where are you going? And the rabbi says, how much are you paid to stand here and ask me that question? The Roman soldier says, whatever it is, some minuscule amount. And the rabbi says, I will double your salary if you come and stand outside of my door and ask me those questions every day. Who are you and where are you going? You ever thought about that in your life? Who are you? Where are you going? Those are questions that can be answered so trivially, trivially, so simply. Who are you? 
Michael, where are you going? Going to (laughs) H-E-B. Who are you? Where are you going? What is your identity? Do you see yourself as just who you are now? Do you see yourself as whatever your last name is, a child of Crocker, a son of Don and Anne, a grandson of Pearl and Paul and Bertie? That's right, Bertie and Corb. Or is there something more to it? Michael, son of God, heir to the kingdom of heaven. I don't know what my retirement account looks like because I don't ever look at it. It's depressing, right? (laughs) You're like, that's it? So I don't open it. I have no idea what I will one day receive as an inheritance from my mother and father. Don't know. Don't really care. Because I know that I have an inheritance that is so much bigger than that. So much greater than that. I'm an heir to the kingdom of heaven. Dude, that rocks. Am I right? Nobody? I mean, and here's the thing is I'm not the only one, right? What's up, brothers and sisters? What's up? We're heirs to the kingdom of heaven. You know, I mean, what does this world have to offer you? Nothing. There's greatness in this world, don't get me wrong, beauty in this world. I love some of the things that God does in this world, but there is something greater. The kingdom of heaven. Did you know that Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, more than anything else? Do you know that God focuses in on that aspect of things more than anything else? Why? You think it's a big deal? You think it's important? Yeah. When something's important, it's brought up multiple times. When Corbin was two, we were going out to um, the river. My in-laws have a place on on the river in Seguin. And um, he said the word river. He would just kept saying, I think he was two, maybe one. He was going river, 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 river. The entire 40 minutes, we took out a piece of paper and started making hash marks. I still have it in my truck. River, river, slash, river, 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 river. I don't remember how many times it was, but it was to the point of, it got, it was like the point of, okay, that's cute. That's now annoying. This is making me angry. Now it's funny. Now it's absurd. I mean, it was just that whole experience of emotion. He was focused in on where we were going. It was important. You mention it a lot. Kingdom of God is a big deal. Don't miss that. It's big. It's important. It's valuable. So Matthew 25, 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven, what? Can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a trip. He called together his servants and gave them money to invest for him while he was gone. He gave five bags of gold to one, two bags of gold to another, and one bag of gold to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of gold began immediately to invest the money and soon doubled it. The servant with two bags of gold also went right to work and doubled the money. But the servant who received the one bag of gold 
dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money for safekeeping. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of gold said, Sir, you gave me five bags of gold to invest and I have doubled the amount. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. Remember that, by the way. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Next came the servant who had received two bags of gold and with the report. Sir, you gave me two bags of gold to invest and I have doubled the amount. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of gold came and said, Sir, I know you are a hard man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you don't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and here it is. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, you think I'm a hard man, do you? Harvesting crops I didn't plant and gathering crops I didn't cultivate? Well, you should have at least put the money in the bank so I could have earned some interest. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who are unfaithful, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, here's a couple of things you need to know. One, my translation says bags of gold. Most of you may be reading, if you're reading it, will say talents, T-A-L-E-N-T-S, talents, this talent. Talent was a weight it was a measurement of weight. It, it's translated um, between 60 to 90 pounds, roughly. Think about that. 60 to 90 pounds per talent. The first guy was given five talents of gold. What? Retirement account? Five talents of gold. What is that? If you go conservatively on that low end, 300 pounds of gold. Right now, gold, somebody told me at the first service, is $1,700 an ounce times 16 ounces per pound times 300. That, my friends, is no chicken feed, you know? That's a lot of money. And what what does the master say? You've been diligent with this small amount. This is nothing. This is nothing. You think this is a lot, but it is not. I have given you something, and there will be something so much greater. What Daryl said in his prayer in that last song is, where the streets are paved with gold. Think about it from the perspective of, wow, it's not so beautiful. It looks like Vegas. No, think about it from the perspective of things that we think are so important in heaven are not. Because there are greater things. So look at this. God gives us something incredibly valuable. And if you take it from the kingdom of heaven perspective, what he is saying is that God has given us the kingdom of heaven. This is my valued treasure, the kingdom. Here it is. What are you going to do with it? Now, the fact that one guy got five, one guy got two, one guy got one, we all are given different responsibilities, different Places in the kingdom of heaven in which to be and work and live. Yes, that is without a doubt. But we all are given access to it. And what God says is, look, you have access to the kingdom of heaven right now. 
Not when you die, but right now. Here it is. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Now, if you look at this from when this was said, you would immediately probably think that Jesus is, once again, slamming the Pharisees. The Pharisees were given access to this kingdom of heaven, the law. And they took it and they buried it in the ground and they said, we will not let anyone touch it, nor will we let it touch anyone. Now, while they thought they were doing something good, what God says is, no, it is not your place to bury it. It is your place to use it, to bring it to the world. We get to play a part in the building of the kingdom of heaven. It is not anything that we can build on our own, but it is something that we have the honor to be a part in building. We have that ability to bring the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah, he says. What's up, Ziggler? So I was listening to David's sermon on this. He did it back in September, and he brought up this quote from Timothy Keller. It says, anytime you find the fabric of life torn, i.e. in broken relationships, in illness, in sickness, in suffering, in pain, whatever, and you help sew it back together, that's being a part of the kingdom of God. I'm a visual person, so sometimes I like to have those visual images, and I just see this, this life, this fabric of life being torn in some way. And those moments where I get to step in and I get to help bring it back together. That's kingdom building. I talked about the next Christian, where it's going, this movement in Christianity, what's happening. There's a book called The Next Christians by this guy, Gabe Lyons. Some people in the room don't think very highly of it. I do. Daryl. But one of the things he does is he kind of breaks down where the Christians have been and where he believes they are going. And for the most part, where Christians have been have been secluded in ourselves. The only time we come out is to point fingers and to condemn. And then we go back in. And what he says the next Christian is doing is is knocking that aside and going into those places where Jesus went. Jesus went to those places, had dinner with people that no one else would. He touched people that no one else would touch. He loved people that no one else would love. And the next group of Christians, and guess what? That's not age determinate, by the way. They get that the kingdom of God is bigger than right now, that it is right now. That makes so much sense and so little sense at the same time. I'm blown away by that fact. It's not, it's bigger than right now, and it is right now. The kingdom of God is so great and so big and so vast that streets are paved with gold. And we can do that now. We can bring that kind of life now. You know, the song that they were singing right before this, and it's just no more darkness, no more sickness. You, you, you know, this, this aspect of life that we think is a dream. But there will be a time when that is reality. And what Jesus says is, as, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. What I take from that, and I, what I think most theologians take from that, is that 
we then therefore have access to the kingdom right now. And we can grasp hold of that time when violence ends, when wars cease, when sickness is no more. The kingdom of heaven. Man, I'm a son of God and heir of the kingdom of heaven, and I want to be in that. August was talking about some girl running up and down. I can only assume that it was Grace. Was it? And she ran up here and she got me and she brings me back to see her little niece, Brooke. And she just points, goes, she's here. For those of you that have come only recently, you, that's a similar, that's a, a familiar sight. Grace running back and down, back and forth in, in the CLC, holding somebody's iPhone that was silly enough to let her have it. Suckers. <laughs> For some of you, though, you remember when she came in a wheelchair. You might remember the Easter Sunday when she first walked over here to get communion. Twofold. She wasn't eating anything at that time and she wasn't walking at that time. What? You might remember um, the fact that we used to feed her through a tube because she wouldn't have anything by mouth and she was labeled failure to thrive. She was dying because she wouldn't eat. And so much against our wishes, she put, a tube was put in her stomach and we began to feed her through this nasty, stupid, gross, but life-saving tube. We're coming up to Easter again. And for whatever reason, grace and Easter seemed to go together. She got out of her body cast on Good Friday after being in it for six months, she began to really start taking steps on her own and have communion for the first time on Easter. Last year at this time, we got that stupid tube out. Her favorite thing to do at night now, we have one of those fridges with freezer drawers is to open up the freezer drawer and to get the carton of ice cream and find wherever we are and hold it up like, hey, I need some ice cream. <laughs> who doesn't? <laughs> this is from a girl who wouldn't eat. I've seen streets paved with gold. I've seen the kingdom of heaven at work. I gotta tell you, it's awesome. Ryan Jacobson, our overly hairy missions coordinator, came up to me this morning and talked. Many of you may know that we have um, a member of our congregation who comes at this service and sits in the very back. Her name's Libby. She has ALS. She's the one in the wheelchair whose mother brings her and their caretaker on Sunday. Sunday by Sunday. She's funny. She can't say a word. She can speak with her eyes and a different communication device that types it out for her. And it takes a long time to do. But she, she'll email and she's got a great sense of humor. So much so that there have been times and Sundays when I come up to her and I go, Hey, Libby, don't get up. Which on one hand is so horrible and evil. But on the other hand, I know that she has that sense of humor that she thinks it's funny. I can't believe I'm about to cry about Ryan Jacobson. 
I'm going to look at you and see how hairy and ugly you are and remember, oh, never mind, it's just Ryan. Ryan went over this morning to, um, to pick her up and bring her to church because her mom has been sick and they needed some people to volunteer to do this. They have a special van, so he couldn't do it in his little bitty Nissan, but he was going over there to pick her up. And he did pick her up. Quite literally, she had fallen out of bed and they couldn't get her up, so Ryan was there to pave a street. Remember this, Ryan, at our next job review. I do think highly of you, just not your job. Just kidding. (laughs) I had to bring myself back, okay? We are sons and daughters of the kingdom. We have access to the kingdom. God said, here is a treasure of mine that I want you to have. And I don't want you to bury it. I want you to use it and experience it. Because when you do, it is amazing and powerful and wonderful and great. When you become a part of the building of the kingdom of God. Oh, man, it is awesome. The fabric of life is torn in so many areas. Let's begin to mend it. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you give us access to this kingdom identity, this kingdom way of life. You give us access to power that is beyond this world where sickness no longer exists, where wars and violence cease. And until you come again, and you will, but until you do, we get to be a part of building that kingdom. God, help us to realize that. Help us to take that in and to own it, to have the courage to be the sons and daughters of the kingdom you long for us to be and experience the kingdom of God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.